Welcome to episode 13 of Sigma Sports Presents, Matt Stevens Unplugged. This week, my guest is the current UCI Women's World Time Trial Champion, Chloe Digert, and we chat about everything from Zwift racing to pet sitting and seeing yourself as your biggest competition. The Grand Jaws is back, and this week I'll be dusting the living room. Sounds innocuous, but it turned out to be a real classic, so you won't want to miss that one. And because this is episode 13, you probably can or can't tell that I'm actually recording this podcast with the microphone upside down. Hello, and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again. Matt Stevens unplugged by Sports. It's midsummer in the Northern Hemisphere, and for a lot of you, that means longer rides, making the most of the daylight. More time in the saddle, though, needs more energy. So why not ensure you don't go hungry on your summer adventures and enjoy 40% off Cliff Bar Energy Bars and 25% off Cliff Bar Blocks for the whole month of July at Sigma Sports. For more information, visit sigmasports.com forward slash podcast. Chloe Digert is a natural athlete who's enjoyed a meteoric rise to her current position as women's world time trial champion, blowing the field apart in Yorkshire last year. She's only 23 and she's not used to losing. Now, I'd be here all day if I started listing her Palmares, so I won't. Instead, let's listen to the conversation we had when the show aired 2020 rider and Olympic silver medalist joined me from her home in Idaho, USA. She might be the fastest female time trialist on the planet, but more importantly, does she know her snacks? Let's find out. Right, Chloe, we're, we had a few internet problems. We had a few browser changes, but finally, we appear to be online. And thank you very much indeed for joining us. So, so could you just tell us, for the listeners, where you are in the world and what you can see around you right now? Hi, yeah. Um, I am in Boise, Idaho, um, and I'm currently in my office, and I'm in a little tiny apartment, So, um, and I have a lot of clothes. So my office is filled with clothes racks, drying racks, and um, a big dresser over there filled with more clothes and shoe racks. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, do you, is, do you, is it a, it's not a windowless room, is it? Do you have a view out to outside? I do actually, but you know, that's funny. I don't ever raise my blinds ever. I just, I, I leave them shut. Oh, oh wow. So do you actually know what, what's outside? <laughs> <laughs> I have a deck. So if I want to go outside, I'll sit on my deck. Great stuff. Okay. So, I mean, thanks. Thanks again for joining us. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, um, I'm, as you know, I'm over in just West London in the UK. It's currently quarter past nine and where you are, it's like quarter past two in the afternoon. So you're already halfway through the day. What sort of day has it been for you so far? Have you been training or is it an easy day? What's been the score? Yeah, actually. So, um, I think I actually had COVID back in December. So right now I'm kind of Whoa. feeling, I think, it's, I think it's a little cold. Like I, so I took today off. I was supposed to ride. I was supposed to have a strength day. But um, I was uh, doing physical therapy yesterday, and of course, I have to check your temperature. And so my temperature was like 99, which is like not bad. But um, then I checked again at night, and then this morning, my lymph nodes are a little swollen, and then I'm like up to like 100, just a tiny. So um, I don't feel terrible, but we're just, you know, being safe, and we decided to just take today off and see how I feel tomorrow. Yeah, probably a good move. I mean, without wanting to dwell too much on the current global situation, we can't kind of not talk about it at all because different parts of the world seem to be in kind of different phases. I mean, things are getting a little bit better in the UK. Lockdown is being kind of uh, lightened. There's more um, like bars and restaurants are slowly starting to open. But in the United States, things aren't great at the moment. What's it like where you are? Yeah, that's actually the funny thing. So over the weekend, um, I was pet sitting because, you know, um, I'm supposed to train, right? So I was pet sitting for, um, you know, Coach Kristen. Um, okay. <laughs> two minutes away from her. And so she has a neighbor that went camping with her. So, of course, I stay here while they go have fun in camp, right? Right. So I'm pet sitting for them. And then they come back and they're like, oh, man, the news, it's crazy. Everything's like spiking up here again. I'm like, ah. I, I literally like don't look at anything. I had no idea. I stay inside. I don't do anything. So I have no honest idea. Wow. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair enough. I mean, the thing is that we all deal with things in, in different ways. I mean, um, I was speaking to a friend who lives um, in another country the other day and um, 
they said, oh, have you, have you heard what it's like in the US? And at that point, I didn't. And it's only because they kind of prop- prompted me to. I kind of looked because since lockdown, I've kind of have locked myself down and there's so much I know weird stuff going on in the world at the moment without wanting to completely isolate myself for my own kind of mental health. I kind of need to focus on the difference I can make. So without wanting to kind of, you know, make smaller everything going on, I kind of, I think we all need to kind of adjust and find the place that we can operate the best in, don't we? Right. Oh, for sure. Because it, it, it is, it is, it's, it's very, very strange. So let's, okay, let's not talk about, well, apart from the fact that you may have had COVID-19 um, and you might, you know, let's hope you haven't had a spike right now. It's been a, a, a kind of strange year, and I was I was commentating uh, the other day on the Tour de France on Zwift because, of course, there's looking like we're going to get some racing towards the back end of the year. But in the absence of that, we've had some we had the Zwift Tour de France, four more stages to go. How did you enjoy that? That looked brutal. It was actually a lot of fun. So I had actually ridden that specific course. Um, we did a team time trial a couple of weeks ago, and I actually did. It. Kristen joined us, so I was very familiar with the course. Um, so that made it you know, really easy. Um, but you know, I think it's, uh, as much as you have to be experienced on the game, I think it's, it's also experience, not so much experience, sorry. It's just the, you need to have knowledge to know how to race. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, obviously so it was four laps, which was, which was, um, you know, super beneficial to, to see how every lap played out and all the climbs to see, you know, where I was position wise, you know, and, and, oh, okay. So I was in the back here. So, and I definitely got pushed off, you know, and it, and I think it was uh, obviously, you know, fitness does come into play for sure. You know, a lot of people got dropped, but you know, every lap I got myself in better and better position. Like I, I, you know, yes, I still had to work just as hard, but it's like, you know, when you're in the middle you know, you're sitting on someone's draft and if they're getting dropped, you're sitting on their draft and, you know, it's harder to tell. You don't really know exactly, you know, you can't see everybody's facial expressions and stuff. So um, I think that's, it's a really good training tool for when outdoor racing comes into play. You know, you're, you're learning how to to race more on instinct rather than, you know, uh, being told what to do. And and, um, I think that's a huge, huge, you know, benefit to, to what Zwift is bringing to the table here. And, um, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed that race. I was definitely bummed with the finish. I think that's still, it's still, uh, you know, it's something I need to work on and learn is, is how to really time the finishes and, and, you know, using the power-ups and things. But, you know, other than that, I'm, I really enjoyed that race. I mean, there's, I mean, it was a pleasure to commentate on actually. Um, and I know, and as we're racing, it's had its kind of critics, and um, I've I've really enjoyed watching it. I've only I've not really raced myself. I just kind of do the odd chain gang. Way too hard for me these days. But you know mm. the, the way I think the way the course have been designed, uh, designed, and the way that I think the riders are getting used to racing on Zwift, it really was a really really. It was such an exciting race to commentate on, and the feedback from the fans, which is so important, because this. Apart from the races earlier on in the year, this is the only opportunity teams and riders have had to kind of share, to race for the fans as well, isn't it? So it really is important from so many angles. For sure. And the level of what this race is, the the title of the race is going to bring in, um, you know, all those fans and and bring in the big names because it does have such a big name to it. Like, of course, like that is a huge name that's, that's going to bring publicity into it. And, um, I think that's where is with everybody's just done such a great job of, of really, you know, trying to take advantage of the situation and making the best out of it. And I think that's, you know, huge and so grateful for this opportunity, you know, especially um, for the women in the sport, you know, I think it's uh, super great. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, you know, more things to come. Are you doing any more stages? Because we've got three well, this weekend and the following weekend. Are you down for any more, or is that it for you for yeah. the Tour de France? No, I'm you doing. Are. I think three more total. I'm doing all the the flatter stages. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. So you'll definitely we'll definitely see you on the virtual Champs Elysees in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yep. good stuff. That's going to be cool. <laughs> I am so. I obviously people know I do a bit of work for Swift, but I still haven't seen 
the Champs-Élysées. Uh, and I'm quite, I'm actually quite excited. I'm a little bit geeky and I'm really quite excited to see how they've kind of rendered it. But I know they put a lot of time and effort in. So yeah, let, we all hope, of course, that the real Tour de France comes back. And um, most of us hope that we'll get a Women's Tour de France back um, very, very soon as well. But um, for the time being, um, it's going to be pretty exciting on Zwift. But but moving, moving Zwift to one side for the time being, what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, Chloe, it's just kind of rewind. It, it isn't really that. We don't have to rewind very far because you're still only only 23 years of age. And what I'd like to talk about a little bit, and I know you've obviously spoken about it a lot in interviews because people are very interested in what you've done, your development through the sport, the ups and kind of downs, your remarkable success. But the the thing that intrigues me is is your journey into into the sport. And you were a very reluctant uh, participant, weren't you? you? You firstly did a lot of college sports, soccer, basketball. And your dad kind of wanted you to ride, didn't he? But you weren't super keen, were you, at all, in, in the first instance when you were younger? Not at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, bikes were always a part of the family. It was like, I mean, I, it's it just it's just kind of like, um, I, I would I don't want to say it like a holiday, but it, it was just something that was so normal, so natural in the family that it was like, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you the first time I rode without training wheels. You know, it was just such right, okay. a part of life that I just you know, it was just whatever. And I had no interest to actually pursue doing anything more than just pedal paddling. Right. And sure. you know, my dad and my uncle, so his brother, they rode mountain bikes. They were all into mountain bikes. And, you know, of course I, I all my stuff that I ever had. So my, actually the very first new bike I ever had was a, it was a Trek mountain bike and what? I got it. I was, I was a kid and I was so mad because it was for Christmas, right? And so I'm like, I got four presents and my brother got like 10 and then I get this stupid bike. I'm like, what the heck, dad? <laughs> like, this is not cool. And then the only way he got me to ride it was because he said Lance Armstrong rides a trek. I'm like, okay, okay. that's fine. Okay. You know, whatever. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I always had bikes, always had, you know, good stuff, whatever. And um, I always, I only really thought the tour de France and mountain biking were like the only things that were like what you did as a cyclist. Yeah. And so then, um, locally, so we're, I'm in Indiana, right? So I live about 30 minutes away from major Taylor, Marion university. Um, I live about 30 minutes from the zip and stram factory. And so my uncle, my dad's brother started working for zip and SRAM and okay. started engineering, developing wheels and stuff. And so we kind of got into road biking. My dad had a road bike just to kind of do some cross training for not cross training, but just, you know, more training or whatever for the mountain bike. Yeah. And my brother actually got involved with a, with a local team and uh, started using my dad's bike and we started doing more road stuff and getting more involved and, um, then my dad ended up getting me a felt uh, road bike for um, one of my birthdays. Again, I was mad because, you know, like, <laughs> no present in a stupid bike. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, he, you know, he got me that bike. Again, I had no interest, didn't really care. And, um, you know, so I, of course, he would get me on it. I'd ride it with him just to make him happy, just shut him up and whatever. <laughs> and so junior nationals, I was 16 years old. They were going to be in Madison, Wisconsin. So that was about like a six, seven hour drive from us. Okay. And so my dad, my brother was going to go to, he was going to race. And so my dad's like, you know, Chloe, if you go up, if you win, I'll buy you a pair of Oakley's. And if you race, you can use your brother's zip wheels. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Whoa. I'll do it. That, no problem. That, that is, I mean, if there's going to be a kind of a kit bribe, zip wheels and Oakley's especially, that's, yeah. that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty good bribe. So you, you yeah. like, you're like, okay, let's do this. Let's do yep. this. For sure, okay. for sure. So we go, no idea what I'm doing. Never done a time trial in my life. I've literally only done crits. Never climbed a hill because I live in Indiana with cornfields. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um, we get there. Um, I get third place in the road race. Um, you know, of course, it's junior, so it's really short. But still, you know, I could uh, first time climbing, get third place, do the time trial, get third place, do the crit. I win the crit. So, of course, wow. I get my Oakleys, and then I'm like, huh, this is kind of fun. Like, maybe I should stick to this. Whatever. So, you know, I kind of kept racing throughout the year, and um, I did a little bit of cycle cross, and then I was done playing basketball at that time. But midway through the season, my coach calls, and, Chloe, we need you back. Can you come back? You can finish out the season with us. We, You know, we really need you, you know, whatever. So my dad's like, you're going to do it. 
you're going to commit to it. You're going to, you're going to finish out the season with the team. So I go, um, my third game in, I tear my ACL. So at that point, I'm I'm done with basketball. I'm done. You know, I thought I was done with cycling. I was like, this is it. I'm retiring from sports. I'm just going to, you know, go to college and then whatever, be a stay at home mom. And so um, later on that year, so it took really all year to kind of get motivation and want to do anything again. Yeah. Um, And in December that year, my dad signed me up for these like 5 a.m. like Marion Power Booster classes, which I was like super not happy about. 5 a.m. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was terrible. (laughs) Terrible. But it was great. You know, the structure, the discipline that it gave me, you know, uh, like I think that's, again, you know, what helps make a a work ethic the way that it is. Yeah. Um, But, you know, anyway, so it was two times a week. So I went to those and it was like for a four week, four week period, two times a week. And you know, obviously I didn't get in great shape, but I got in good enough shape to where, you know, we were doing the 20 minute FTP test, FTP, whatever it's called test. And yeah. I remember my dad was there for one. And, um, I remember some of the comments were like, wow, she's actually, that's, that's higher than some of the guys. Like that's pretty high, you know? And again, Jeez. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I'm just riding hard, you know, no idea what the numbers meant, nothing. And, um, so anyways, you know, uh, I, I had met Logan Owen. Um, my, he's now my ex. So I met him then and I went out to see him that February and I, I wasn't trained. I didn't bring a bike with me and I saw him, he was out training every day and this was still kind of before I committed to riding bikes. Sure. So he was out training every day and I kind of had FOMO. I was annoyed that like, you know, he's riding and like getting good and I'm just sitting here being lazy, not doing anything. And it made me so mad. So when I got home, it was still kind of cold out. And again, I had no idea what I was doing training wise and stuff. So I'd set up a trainer. I'd ride my bike on the trainer. I'd do efforts, whatever. And um, the first race started to come up and entered, let's see, before junior nationals that year, I think I entered in 11, 11 or 12 races and I only lost one race out of all those races, just, you know, kind of local races. The only race I lost was uh, Nevada City Crit in a sprint with Shelly Olds. Right. Uh, okay. And then I went to junior nationals. I won the road race, the time trial and was second into the crit. And that is what qualified me for junior world championships. Um, qualified for junior worlds. I won junior worlds. I got invited to go try out the track, tried out the track in November. My first world cup was in January, went to world championships in February, went to the Olympics in, in the summer um you're and, saying I've, I've got to i've got to interject clay because you're saying this with so so much kind of so casually i mean i mean <laughs> what you've achieved already for for many many people is far and beyond what anybody would ever achieve even somebody who's relatively well decorated in, in any kind of sport but the question for me is you seem to that that initial kind of ability you had seems to, clearly you you did athletics you did a lot of outdoor sp- stuff you, you were clearly very sporty but with no real proper training, you were still able to kind of deliver those sorts of performances, like in it, you, you just on pretty much natural ability with a little bit of training on top. Yeah, I, I do think that's part of my issue is I don't acknowledge, um, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, people ask me now, like, how's it feel to win a world championship? I'm like, what do you mean? It's an expectation like this. I don't I don't come to a world championship to lose. And I sure. understand and I wow. realize how important and how you know, big of a deal that it is to win a world championship or go to the Olympic games. But, you know, and my, you know, my, I really honestly growing up, I I didn't have cable. I didn't, you know, didn't really have a lot of things. I I knew about the Olympics. It never really was a big deal to me and whatever, you know, so I, I I don't want to downplay anything and it's not, you know, what I'm trying to do, but for me, you know, it's just an expectation you know, to do all of these things. And, and I I mean, I know that probably sounds terrible, but like, if, if I don't go to the games, it's not, I don't care, you know, Oh, Chloe's not good enough. Chloe, blah, blah, blah. Chloe, this, Chloe, that it's, it's all me. It's all the pressure I put on myself. You know, I I don't care about anything or anybody else. You know, I, I had, I set goals for myself. I tell myself what I want, what I want to do. And if I don't accomplish those, I don't care what anybody else thinks. It's all, you know, 
based on me. And I think having that success so early on, that's all I know. That's all I'm, I'm used to. So losing is, it sounds really cocky. I know, but it's like losing is so out of the norm for me that it's just, I mean, it really truly is an expectation to just win the races that I'm supposed to win. Yeah. And and, and I guess, again, I mean, if you don't mind me saying, it's quite extraordinary talking to you. I mean, because uh, you're you're just being very, very honest. I mean, and clearly you, your results clearly speak for themselves. And also the, I think not just your results. I think it's the way that you've clearly come back from adversity stronger than ever. I mean, you have to factor in that you're still very, very young, and every year for the next decade, even more, you 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 could, if you wanted to, as you well know, get even stronger and even better. And that's the kind of scary thing here. So your results that, that, that and, and also think. You don't mind me saying the fact that you didn't kind of look up to all these things, they kind of just happened. They almost mm-hmm. seem quite kind of normal to you. And I, I, I guess when you look at things like the Olympics, the World Championships, for many people, they will always be, well, actually not for many people, for most people, they will be they will be completely and utterly unobtainable. Even pulling on the US national jersey, for example, to yeah. represent your team. For, for a lot of people, um, just going to the games is one thing, you know. Um, but for you, this success has become quite normal. So, and winning is quite normal to you. And um, and the complete opposite of that is losing. So, you, I think, yeah, you. If you don't mind me saying, you are a very interesting proposition. But you're kind of happy with it, aren't you? You're kind of very, very comfortable in in, in your own skin right now. Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know, again, it is it is weird to to talk. You know, when I, uh, I it kind of goes back to when I'm on the track with training with the girls or something. You know. Um, and again, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm just, you know, going to tell the story. I, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, whatever. But so it, it's hard, you know, because some days the girls will have bad days on the track or, you know, something will happen. And when it's a bad day, it's a very bad day. Things really go, you know, whatever. And again, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but it, it's hard because, you know, when I have a bad day, it's still a good day for someone else. And it's hard for me, you know, Um, I can't really complain about it or I can't, you know, if I do complain about it, it's like, well, why are you complaining? Like you're already, you know, you're doing better than us. And I I do struggle with that. Like there was a time, luckily it was an individual thing that I was doing. Um, But, you know, I'm not emotional. I have no sympathy. I don't really care. You know, like if, if someone's crying, like just suck it up, you know, like that's just kind of the mentality that I have. And so I don't, I don't, really have breakdowns. But, um, earlier this year I was at the track and, um, I hadn't been on the track in a while and I was doing individual efforts and I was doing them on a bigger gear than I normally do. And things just weren't feeling how I thought they should. I was, I, I, I just, my times were okay, but I thought they could have been better. And, you know, it was, it was, it was normally it takes me about three days to get my track legs back and it had been a week and I just was struggling and I had a breakdown. I, I cried. I like, I had to be pulled off to the side. Like I was a mess. I just couldn't handle it. I still had one more set to do. Mm. And, um, you know, of course I was going to do it. I wasn't going to not do it, but I mean, I, I, I mean, it was just one of those things where like, I just couldn't control my emotions. I I was just so frustrated and, and so upset. And I think obviously when it's an individual thing you know i'm not being compared to the team and the team's not really looking at it as like oh always you know whatever so it was uh jennifer actually she came up to me and you know she gave me a huge hug and you know of course makes me feel better and um i think that's you know huge you know having having a team behind you and stuff and um you know when when we're all when we're all doing our individual things and and something is and some someone is hurting or you know something that's you know I think where the team comes involved and, and really shows and, and appreciates how hard everybody works for something. And, um, I, 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 you know, I really appreciated that, but I still think it, it's hard when we're all kind of in the same boat, doing the same things together. And, you know, one's hurting more than the other. And, um, you know, everybody's kind of depending on how they're feeling, not as sympathetic as they normally, you know, because it appears quite clearly that, that, uh, as you as you alluded to, your bad day could be a lot of people's great day. So it's like almost right. you can't like you're not allowed, almost like allowed just because of, by virtue of the kind right. of just your natural ability um, to have that. I mean, once you said that was the first time you've ever broken down like that. I mean, 
I've had two breakdowns. You had two. But did you, were you kind of, were you kind of relieved afterwards to think, God, I am, you know, that's, because that's, let's be honest, although they're not pleasant, they are, they're a normal thing for people to do. Sometimes you get so much pent up frustration about whatever it is, anger about whatever it is. It doesn't need to be cycling. It doesn't need to be sport. It's just life. Do you think it was, did you find it quite cathartic and a relief? Or how did you feel afterwards? No, because nothing changed. Right. I, 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 you know, it's not, I, I really, nothing personal was going on. I didn't have anything personal messed up in my life. You know, I, I had already had my separation with Logan and I mean, it went so smooth and everything like, you know, honestly, it was like the best decision I had ever made. So, I mean, I was happy personally, everything was really good in, in my personal life. So it was all physical. It was all training, you know, sure. whatever. And so there was obviously nothing I could do to make myself go faster or feel better. And even through that world championships, I just, I wasn't happy. I mean, I look at pitchers. I mean, obviously the team pursuit was great. Um, yeah. But, you know, I look at pitchers and, and I see, of course, I know what was going on in my head. So like I see pitchers and I see how I was and I remember moments and, and, and there was actually, we had um, a robber or, people come in and I had about like seven or $800 cash Christmas money that I had in my wallet and people came into our hotel rooms and stole it all. And so there was just right, okay. lots of stuff kind of going on. And, and, um, I just was, you know, and then not getting the, the time that I wanted on the, the individual pursuit. It was just, I, that whole time period was just really rough and, you know, the breakdown really didn't change anything. It, it, it was just, Honestly, I could have lived without it, but you know, it sure. was just what I needed to do at that time. Sure. I mean, just going back a little bit, I want to talk about the kind of. You said you got a hug from one of your colleagues. I know there's some, um, a couple of people in particular that you're very, very close to in in your career. But before we talk about that, at what point um, during this this you've you've truncated the whole journey of you starting riding your bike, you got your road clues, and then it was just basically snowballing, success, success, success. Very quickly, you were, you were world champion, uh, uh, track and, and road. Uh, and that was in, um, of course, in the United States, wasn't it? On a course that I, d- I do like on Zwift uh, in Richmond. Um, but uh, well, like that one? I love it. It's a great course. Yeah, and you've won on there. I mean, we keep talking about Zwift. And you've won on there on Zwift as well, haven't you? Yeah, that was my yeah, first race. You did. You absolutely, yeah, you did bomb that one. You just rode everybody <laughs> off your wheel, unsurprisingly. But what? Um, at what point, Chloe, did you realize, did you become cognizant and aware that you were an exceptional talent? At what point? Mm. Again, I think that kind of goes back to just an expectation. Even now, I mean – Yes, I, I'm the world champion in the time trial and the world champion and world record holder, whatever. I, I I don't really compare myself or look at myself with the other women that I'm racing against. I, okay. you know, I, I see I see myself as the world champion, but I don't see myself as I don't because I don't compare myself to them. It, it's 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 all competition with myself and who I am and you, you know I, I I just sorry I just did a um uh, an interview kind of replaying back my world championship time trial yeah and I watched it you know for the first time in a long time probably since you know I raced it and and seeing the mistakes that I made and and seeing and and replaying the just what I was going through at that time and and the unknowns of things and and knowing how much better I could have been if I would have made this line better if I would have pushed a little more here you know so it's all competition with myself I don't see myself as being extraordinary I don't see myself as being better than anybody else because I'm not in competition with them I'm in competition with myself and how how can I be better than what I've already done? I want okay, to. Yeah. I, I just need I, to be better. Yeah. I, 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 I just by the way you're talking and, and, um, it's, it's, it is quite extraordinary talking to you. It's, it's an, an enjoyable chat, but you are clearly exceptionally driven, aren't you? And, and, um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk 
quite like that because especially in relation to cycling i mean and actually looking forwards and i know obviously tokyo isn't happening now hopefully fingers crossed fingers crossed it'll happen next happen next year and um because of your talent and and because of the potential this kind of latency there you know you, you've you've dominated time trialing you're an exceptional road racer as well and that and and the more you race on the road as you just said you're talking about just riding on zwift in the you know on the virtual tour every single road race you learn or you ride sorry you will learn regardless of success and and what i'm intrigued uh, in in kind of talking about is the next kind of step for you uh, after tokyo in terms of potentially going and riding on the road in europe for example in the classics i mean looking at your physiology the way you ride a race, I mean, especially now we've got women's Paris-Roubaix, surely you, at the back of your mind or maybe at the forefront of your mind, do you think, is that something you'd like to do? Definitely. And, you know, yeah. that's always, it's always a, you know, been a goal of mine. Um, but again, I think I am a little conservative, maybe a little too conservative with things. Sure. Because I have been injured so much. And I, I mean, I, I am young and everything, but every injury I've had, it does take longer and longer to recover from it. Um, and it's not like little baby injuries it, or it could be baby injuries and then lead into one big injury, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Literally every year I've had something go wrong. And um, so, I mean, I, I need to be smart. I need to be realistic. My goals will stand of, you know, I, I want to be a world champion every single year that I'm racing of my career. So, you know, of course, if I take a break to have a kid, whatever, or I want to go to the next six Olympic games, I, you know, I want to win at least, you know, I, I want to get more gold medals than Kristen does in the, in the time trial, you know, whatever my goals are, those still stand, they will stand. And, um, you know, obviously I'd like to, to do some more road stuff. Perry Roubaix sounds so fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there's a little gravel section that I ride here and I, I get through it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> on my body. You know, yeah, I just, I, it's so hard for me to do things and I need to just be really realistic about what I could do if I want to have as long a career as I do, you know, yeah. that's, that's really interesting. I mean, I guess again, the, the longer I talk and the more that I talk to you, the more that you kind of discuss your kind of, you're almost like you're, you've got this kind of, you've got a certain kind of ideology and a kind of way of thinking that you clearly are somebody who needs control. And, and, yeah. and let, let's be honest, individual, the individual pursuit is probably the best example because of there's a lack of variables, individual time trial out on the road. There are a lot more variables, but ultimately it's down to you team pursuit. Okay. There's three others as well. And there's a lot of variables there, but still there's a massive degree of control. Do you think right. the reason that you maybe fear, not fear, or maybe a little bit anxious about the road is because it's something that's going to take a little while to tame or you'll never tame it. You'll never tame a 200 rider, 150 rider field with you. There's so many different variables, but do you think that is why you're a little bit reticent is because of it's this control thing that you have? Maybe a little bit. Um, but it is, it is hard. It's like anybody I talk to, it's like, Oh, you know, I want to do road or I want to do mass start. So, Oh no, you'll sure. break. Your body's going to break. Like, so I have everybody, you know, especially my dad, my dad, my mom, like, oh, I don't want you doing crits. Like don't do um, them. You know? Like, so it's, it, it, I mean, again, like I don't really care what other people are saying, but again, I, I do have to be realistic. Cause you know, if I were to crash, like I have to, I, I you know, I, I don't want to like say that I'm going to break something, but like, I have to just expect if I go down, something bad's going to happen because I just, that's always how it's been. And again, yeah. I think, yes, kind of back to the control thing. Um, in a road race, I can have the best technical skills in the world, but if someone goes down in front of me, you know, I can't, I can't, I, what am I going to do? You know, yeah. like, and so it just, I, there's so many unknown factors and things that go on. Um, it's just it's hard to hard to know it is it's it's I, I any mass start race of any sort I always say it's just a race of luck you know it just it, I mean of course you got to be good and you're going to make it to the finish or whatever but um I don't know getting there it's just just like the Zwift race you know it was only a 50 minute race but you could tell the the riders that shouldn't be where they you know shouldn't be there were gone because they weren't good enough you know yeah. I'm sorry that sounds mean but it's like Oh, that's, no, no, no. It's a very attritional. I mean, uh, there's no kind of hiding place at all. That's just how it is. And that's how, that's what I like. It's just, it's, it's getting 
past that point, all getting all the dangerous riders out of the way, getting everybody that's not good enough out of the way. So then it's okay. left with the riders that should be there, need to be there and keeping it safe, you know, because, yeah. you know, we're not, we're not there to make dangerous moves, you know, in, in world championships in the road race, um, right before the climb, my chain had dropped. And so I'm trying to get it back on. And that was the point that was where Ina and our, and our follow cars, like, you know what, that's where you need to be. You need to be up front at that point. Cause the roads were so narrow, you know, you're not going to get up front. And so cool. I was in position. I needed to be where I was supposed to be. And then my chain drops and I'm in the back trying to get to the front. And I can't tell you how dangerous those riders are because they don't care about anybody else but themselves. They just want to be, you know, they're trying to fight. They're trying to weave their way. Nobody has respect for anybody. And again, you know, that's just how it is because they're trying to get up there. And, you know, when, when we got to the climb, it was, it was definitely frustrating because, you know, we didn't have radios and, um, you know, and I was so far back. I remember I had to pass every single one of our USA girls. I, I literally passed because I was so far back with my chain sure. drop sure. and I passed every single one of them. I didn't know Anamique was up the road and, and, you know, that it was just, it was, um, it was very frustrating, but also a perfect way to explain, like, you know, obviously the best riders get to the finish line first, but, you know, to, to, to really show all those, the desperate riders, the riders that are going to do anything, take any risk possible just to try to get up there. And, you know, and I, I think that's what really makes the sport dangerous and, yeah. and, and things really hard. And, um, <laughs> If I, you know, I, I, I can remember just kind of like someone would touch me and I'm like, Oh, please just, just go right. away. Like, please. You know? So, sure. um, yeah, it was just, uh, those are hard times for sure. And, and, and I guess, I mean, um, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to move on in a minute. We'll lighten things up a little bit. Um, but, um, it's, it, it is, it's a fascinating kind of insight into, into, into your psychology. But uh, just one thing I want to, I want to touch on is, you know, talking about, about crashing and the incidents and the accidents you've had, obviously one of the most serious was your, your crash in the, the stage one of the tour of California 2018, wasn't it? When you touch wheels, you you'd done your job as a lead out and you got a really bad concussion. And uh, that was a nasty one. And that took you a while to, to kind of get through, but was there anything you said that each, each subsequent crash has taken longer for you to recover, but I find, and I'd, I've had plenty of injuries in, 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 in my life, inclu- including losing the use of my right arm for six months. I, I, was, I had paralysis. That was, that was terrifying. But, but I kind of learned, each time I got an injury, I learned not so much, because you're in the lap of the gods to a degree, but the, but the thing that you build strength in is, is your ability to deal with adversity, the, psycho- the kind of psychological side of it. So what yeah. did you, do you feel you've learned a lot about yourself through the amount of adversity that you've had? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, with the concussion, it, it led into, it wasn't just the concussion, but the, 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 the stress of the crash, it led into a knee surgery. And so that kept me out even longer, you know, yeah. so all of that was just, you know, that was probably definitely the worst injury that I had. Um, but dealing with setback, I've, you know, ever since I was little, sixth grade, uh, let's see, what, how old was I? 10, 11, 12, my first injuries I ever had, I've literally dealt with setback my entire life that it's funny to me, you know, obviously the game is being postponed. It's awful. Like, I mean, yeah. I get it, Yeah. but it is so funny to me to see cyclists in general and, and specifically um, so these cyclists that are my age or even younger or, you know, whatever, or even other athletes. I mean, I get it. There are athletes that have planned on retiring this year and, and some sports, you know, specifically like gymnastics and stuff, you know, being one year older is so much harder. Like I understand all of that, but yeah. you know, to be in a sport like cycling, being as young as you are and for everybody to complain and make these, you know, just, it's just, it really blows my mind. Cause to me, I feel it just because I've dealt with setbacks so much that to me, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Great. Let's yeah. just, you know, keep moving yeah. on. It'll happen yeah. next year. And I just have to say, like, be thankful that this is not an injury. This is yeah. not something that is keeping you from doing what you're supposed to do, you yeah. know? And so if anything, this is just, I mean, it's just a postponement. Get over yeah. it, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
So in in the grand scale, obviously it is the kind of Olympics. But you like like you said, you know, it's not as if every athlete that was going to go to the Olympics is suddenly injured. It's just they're going to have to wait another year and be patient. Um, I guess. Um, okay. Um, it's been said, Chloe, that you're so competitive, and I, I saw this on an interview that you don't play board games with your friends. Okay. Now, are you happy to take the the Chloe Digart quiz with me? Sure. We'll do Good it. We'll stuff. Do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go. So this could get very, very, very competitive indeed. Um, <laughs> it's time. I'm going to do my own little jingle. We have jingles. When we edit this together, we will have some lots of little nice jingles and special effects to kind of give it a bit of production value, you know. This is the Chloe Digar Quiz. Right. Okay. Oh, we got, there we go. So you'll get that for a correct answer. And for an incorrect answer, you'll get this. I'm getting nervous. Okay, there we go. So just relax, calm down. Again, this is just you against you, which is your favourite. Okay, <laughs> okay, right. Okay, that uh, they're fun, but they're kind of, kind of, um, yeah, based on your results. Here we go. Question number one, and it's multiple choice. Okay, multiple choice. Okay. Question number one: What was your average speed when you won the World Time Trial Championships last year in Yorkshire? I'm going to give you three choices. Okay. Was it A, 43.061 kilometers an hour? Was it B, 43.071 kilometers an hour? Or was it C, 43.081 kilometers an hour? <clears throat> yeah, you're going to double laugh at me here. So I'm an, uh, I'm an American. I don't speak K. And and I couldn't tell you, I'm the kind of person that you put a gear on my bike and just tell me to ride my bike. I'll ride my bike. So I literally have no idea. Okay. Well, go, uh, go for it. Get guess. I don't even remember. B. We'll go with B. <laughs> I'm afraid B is the incorrect answer. It is. <laughs> it's C 43.081. It looks like we're gonna this is gonna go rapidly downhill, but we have another little we have another little quiz to wrap things up in about 15 minutes' time. So don't worry. Uh, I'm sorry if this is torture for you, but we're on to question number two. Okay. Okay. Right. In the 2015 Junior Worlds in Richmond, as we know, you won solo ahead of your teammate Emma White. Okay. But how much did you win by? Oh, which race? Uh, the the uh, road, it's a road race. Oh. Okay, so I've got to give you three three guesses. So I've got you. I've got three choices here. So was it A one minute and twenty, B one minute twenty three, or C one minute twenty seven? <laughs> I mean, you're probably busier looking at the rainbow jersey than actually the time gaps. But <laughs> the time trial, I beat her about that time too. You did. Oh. It was very. It was very similar. Yeah, it was. Let's go with B. It was B. Correct. Oh, there we go. So the point in the bag and the crowd go wild. Oh, it's a live studio audience here. Absolutely fantastic scenes in the crowd there. They're loving it. So you pulled. You pull one back here, and this is the final question. Okay. Right. Right. Um, it has a bonus question tagged on to the end of this one as well. So it's two questions for the price of one. Right. Question number three. Okay. Stage two of the Tour of California Team Time Trial back in 2016. You and your 2016 ride, well, the, the, the team was called Ride Biker back then, weren't they? Um, yeah. You won. You won, You beat Bowles Dolmans uh, to win the time trial. Um, yeah. Again, how much did you win the time trial by? Because it was quite close and you built, you beat a really, really, really good team. Was it A, five seconds? B, six seconds, or C, seven seconds? I'm going to go with C. Oh, wrong answer. It was B, six seconds. But you can, you, can, you can bring this back. You can bring this back. If you can tell me your teammates. Can you remember your team? Across the line or the whole team? Oh, the whole team. The whole team that started off. Oh, great. Okay. Just, just, just yeah. for that team, Toronto, just for that stage. Kristen. Yep. Leia. Yep. Allie, yep. Allison Jackson. Yeah. Tetrick. That's it. That's it. You got it. it. Yes. Look, look Straight in the bag. 
Kristen Armstrong, Alison Jackson, Ali Leg, Jennifer Tetrick, you cut your good self, and Leah Thomas. So well done indeed. That wasn't too bad. Um, I can't remember how many points you got, but you probably got about fifty percent, which isn't too bad at all. Uh, yeah, that's too bad. So, so uh, when it's only three, only three questions, but you did well on the bonus. I think you, to be honest with you, when we get the mathematician to look at it, I think you might have pulled it back to nearly seventy percent success because mm-hmm. of your prowess on knowing who your teammates were. So well done. Great. Okay, right. That was the quiz. So let's get back into our chat. I won't keep it for too much longer. There's a couple of things that I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about. And that's two of the most important people, aside from your parents in your life, within cycling, who've supported you and given you this platform. Um, Obviously, Nicola uh, Cranmer, who puts in contact and who runs the team, and Kristen Armstrong. Just, Just explain to I know a lot of people will know that they're key people in your life, but just explain a little bit about how important those guys are in your in your cycling career. Yeah, they're for sure super important. I could actually go bang on my wall right now and probably get Nicola's attention. We share walls. Um, okay. So <laughs> um, she's the apartment next to me. Um, ah, right. Okay. So, yeah. So Nikki, I mean, she's she's been there for me since 2015, really, you know, um, they've just, they've always, they've always been in my life. And, you know, same with Kristen. Kristen was my, was my teammate and friend before she was my coach. And, um, you know, having those relationships and, and growing with them for this, for since I was a kid. And, and, and now that I'm older, you know, obviously sometimes I still feel like I'm treated like a kid, but you know, it's probably just their motherly instincts. Um, but it is, uh, it is so nice to have, a bond and a relationship with, with people that I've known from the beginning. So it's, it's some, it's people that I trust. And I know that, you know, they're not there only when I'm doing good, you know, they were there all those days that I had bad days, you know, like they're the ones that will go and do anything they can to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I need to do and, and, and keeping me healthy. And so the respect and the love that I have for them is just, you know, I mean, they, they literally, you know, I'll, I'll, I do consider them family and I always will, you know, they've, yeah. they've been by my side through everything. And I, th- I mean, talk a little bit about, about Nicola. I mean, I was obviously the, the team have been a big supporter of the Zwift platform, but and a big supporter of you, but uh, I didn't actually realize until I did a bit more research and I, I noticed that the team name changes. It was show air 2020. Then it was 20, it was 2012, 2016. It's basically based around a team that brings women through with a, on a, on a, well, with like an Olympic cycle with the, with the aim of getting as many riders as possible into the Olympic games, which is, which is amazing, isn't it? And the success has been astounding. Aside from yourself, you've had a fair few teammates who've gone through and, and got medals as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, Sophia from Mexico, we have a few Canadians, um, you know, it, we have just, it is amazing. It's, you know, our team name it is the Olympics and it's yeah. just, um, yeah, it's just, it, it is great to, to, and that's one thing about Nicola is like, you know, yes, we race on the road and stuff, but you know, the whole point of the team is the Olympics. And so she's there 150% to get us to the Olympic games, to do what we need as athletes and our specific disciplines to, to get and go to the games. Yeah. Um, and, and I noticed you, you're talking about, um, possibly doing six Olympic cycles. I mean, you've obviously got, you know, aims that you're ticking off ambitions as you get older. And obviously Kristen is an absolute legend of the sport, three times Olympic champion. You've already got a silver medal in your back pocket. Hopefully that will change next year. Um, But she clearly is not just an inspiration, not just your coach. She is somebody that you want to emulate as well, isn't she? And, And even even beats quite clearly. I mean, you've got these technically all these opportunities to surpass her, uh, her in, in, in the kind of the annals of, of American and world cycling. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, that's another thing when we talk about role models and, and things like that, you know, I have, I have people that I look up to, obviously Kristen is someone that I look up to, um, you know, but I don't look up to them and think, Oh, I want to be them. I want to be like them or I, I want what they have. No, I look at them and say, you were, you know, you're going to be the benchmark to what I'm going to surpass. I want to be better. I need to be better and I'm going to be better. And I think that's what's so great about my relationship with Kristen is, is, you know, she's done what she's done and, and she's, you know, she's talked about how she has closure now, you know, cause she, she went in retirement and then she came out. And, you know, she went back and she can't, you know, so she finally feels that she has the closure and now her next thing is, 
is me and coaching me and, and getting me to the next level. And I think that's her next, her next goal, her next thing that she gets to do and, and work on it and be the best at, be the best coach. And I think that's why we work so well together and um, what's making my career and, and, and everything just the way it is. I mean, what, apart from you clearly having a very, very close relationship, and I know that you, you, you occasionally disagree, and that's actually very, very healthy, but what attributes in particular do you admire and do you want to emulate your, yourself? Is it her single-mindedness? Single mindedness? Let, it, but let's put aside physical ability. You've both clearly got that. But, but what attributes as a person do you admire and, and kind of want to copy or emulate? I think Kristen and I both, we are very, very different. Yeah. Very, you know, she, I feel like she's, you know, on all the time or, you know, she's just, she's just very motivated, but we're just very different in different ways. Um, but we are also very similar. Our mentality, our view on things, um, our, you know, the, the way she, she functions and, and the things that she wants to accomplish and get done, you know, same with me, you know, I'm, I'm not here to, to overstep, you know, just because I'm good at something doesn't mean that I need to do it. You know, I, I'm, I'm sticking to my plan and my, and what she wants me to do, you know, I, you know, you, you know how your parents are like, Oh, if Johnny jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge too? I'm like, uh, if Kristen yeah, sure. tells me to jump off a bridge, I'll do whatever Kristen says, you know? <laughs> okay. So, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just the kind of trust that I have in Kristen. Like I, yeah. you know, and I think that's something that we've built and developed over the years for sure. You know, cause there are times that, especially last year, I think we went like three or four weeks without talking to each other. Cause you know, it, it just, that's just how things are. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't care how mad I get at Kristen or how mad she gets at me. You know, we're never going to not work with each other because she is the best coach for me. And yeah. that's just how it's going to be. What I'm, I'm interested I, again. I don't want to delve into your personal life too much, but I'm fascinated at what might have caused you to not speak to each other for three weeks. But clearly, the fact that there's this trust here—it's almost, like you say, you, you to use your words, like a motherly kind of relationship where no matter what, you know, blood's thicker than water. You have, like, of course, we all row with our parents, but we love them. We, we might slam the door, but next day it's all hugs. But what? What? That's quite a long time to fall out. What? What was it about? Um, so it was after my knee surgery and it, I was going to, um, nationals and, um, I just, I was, I mean, I was fit, but I wasn't like where I thought I should be. And again, you know, we get to world championships and, you know, I said in interviews, it's like, I was, cause I lost nationals. Right. And I, I just wasn't yeah. doing whatever. And, um, we had some bike issues and, and I just very, was not performing well. And I was kind of blaming her. And, you know, she just kind of sits there and is like, you know, I'm just not going to talk to you because I know what I'm doing. And obviously she did, you know, so that's like what I said at World Championships. Like, yeah, oh, wow, Kristen okay. literally knew what she was doing the whole time. I'm just impatient want to be good all the time. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, so outside of, what's the, what about the Chloe Dygart that we don't know about? Um, I mean, play your cards as close to your chest as you want, but I'm intrigued. I mean, all, all I know about you um, is what I kind of read about. I mean, what makes you happy outside of cycling? Uh, there, there must be some other things that you, I mean, obviously the dedication to, uh, to this sport, to, to, to race and ride and, um, and exist kind of normally at the, the level you function at, that there's, you must invest in an immense amount. But when you want to take a break and just kind of like just chill for a bit, what, what brings you an equal amount of joy to cycling or, or is it, or, or is it, or, is it, or are you kind of completely and utterly in love with cycling? Is that it? Or is there another side to you where you kind of have to get away? <laughs> Shut it off. Like if I don't have to do bikes, I'm not doing bikes. I don't want to touch them. Don't want to look at them. Don't want to talk right. about them. You know, I don't even watch bikes. Like just, it's not my thing. Um, and you know, it's funny. I actually, so I, you know, I've been to Boise off and on for the past five years. So I'm familiar with the riding. I know where to ride and whatever. And, so, um, you know, on my Strava, my Strava is public and I'll go out and ride and I literally, will, I don't care. I'll do the same loop every day. Don't really care at all. And right. just because it's my job. And I had, uh, Nicola, she was on a bike shop and, um, Mateo Jorgensen or whatever. He, he lives here too. And he went up to Nicola and was like, uh, does, does Chloe like know where to ride? Like, does she, whatever, you know? And that's the thing, like Nicola told him, he was like, she said, 
Chloe doesn't really actually like riding her bike. This is her job. You know, she just does it because she has to. And I think that's just, you know, perfect way of explaining it, you know? And so when I'm not riding my bike, you'd probably have no idea that I'm a cyclist. I don't even have tan lines because you should see, I look like a triathlete when I ride my bike. Cause I have like no sleeves and like, I literally look like I have bikini <laughs> bottoms on cause I do not want tan lines. And, um, yeah, but no, my normal life, um, I, I really, I, I, I'm a little recluse. I stay inside and do nothing and don't talk to people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. See, I mean, the thing is, that's, that's what a lot of people, I think that's important. I mean, um, you know, people, some people, some people read, some people like movies, some people like nature, whatever, but sometimes just shutting down and, and just, you know, you know, unplugging yourself almost from the thing that takes so much out of you is important. And, and I know a lot of people who kind of just, you know, retreat into themselves and um, that's what makes them happy. And, and, and sometimes solitude, although, you know, it can be very toxic and for many people it's actually, you know, um, it kind of re- rejuvenates them. And I guess, would you, would you consider yourself one of those people? Are you, kind of, are you kind of quite social or are you just like, yeah, I'm just going to chill, chill out, watch TV and just, you know, listen to music? I can be a social butterfly when I want to be. Right. But for the most part, I mean, I, I guess it's hard because really the people that I know are the people that when I'm around people, they're all cyclists and it's yeah, fine. Sure. And okay. But I feel as if it's, I'm just so different. My mentality, my, the way I, I want to talk about things. Of course I have fun with them. And it's not that it's just, I, I really just think I'm just so much different that I can't really spend more than a few hours with, with cyclists or with, with other people, you know, I, yeah. I, I need my space. I like my space. I am very independent. I don't mind being independent. You know, I don't mind being by myself. Um, but yeah, I think that it also makes me the athlete that I am because I have yeah. nothing or no one to really stop and tell me what I need to do and how I should do it. Sure. Sure, that, and it's very, very, very interesting. And um, as I say, I don't think I've spoken to anybody quite like you, but I have. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story from way back. I mean, I take it. I mean, you may not have heard of Chris Boardman, the Olympic champ, pursuit champion, British guy. Have you heard of Chris Boardman? <laughs> no. No, you haven't. That's that's even that's actually even better. That makes my story even better. But basically, he. Funny is, I didn't even know how many Tour de France wins Eddie Merckx had. I didn't. Even, I didn't know who he was. <laughs> no, don't worry about. Well, well, to cut a long story short, and I don't, I don't want you to start yawning. But the reason I'm I'm saying this is because this Chris Boardman is very similar to you in his psychology. Because, uh, to cut a long story short, Chris Boardman broke the world hour record back in the 1990s. He was one of the few uh, British riders to wear the yellow jersey in the Tour de France, won the prologue, was up there in the Dauphiné, um, and was Olympic pursuit champion in 1992, which was a big deal for the, United, for the, the Great Britain back then. And that was the, the, the games that I rode. So Chris was a little bit older than me, but I remember going to, as we were at a bike race, I was in a hotel with him, and we were roommates, and we were just talking. And he wasn't a big conversationalist. He's a lovely guy, and he won't mind me saying this, but I said to Chris, so... Hey man, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do in your career? He said, "Well, Matt, I'm going to uh, okay break the world air record, get the yellow jersey in the Tour de France, and be Olympic champion." And I'm like, "What?" He said, "Yeah, that's what I'm going to do." Anyway, he did it. And I remember going out for a ride with him like seven, seven or eight years later, and he he's we just got talking. He said, "Matt, I don't I don't really like riding the bike. I just do it because I'm good at it. And if I and I've got these because I know I'm that good, and people don't like it when I say this." Um, it's just a means to an end. I'm that good. I do my own thing. I don't really care what people think. Um, I'm going to train this way because I know that will deliver results, but I've got no real romantic attachment to cycling. And you're a little bit like Chris in that, in that way. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, yeah, and I find it quite fascinating. I mean, because we talk a lot about the romance of cycling and, uh, it is, it's, it's a, it's, it's a sport with such a wrist, a rich, a rich, if I can get my words out, diverse history. Um, but, you know, you, but there are some people who kind of find they're good at it, and for them, it's just a, a, a clearly like a means to an end. If is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. No, no. I just it's just been it's been a really really enjoyable conversation, and I'm and I really do uh, I, I admire your kind of honesty and openness. You're not trying to you just say you just say it like it is, and it's it's actually very very refreshing indeed. And um, 
We're going to roll in, if you don't mind, Chloe, into the final segment of the show. You'll be glad to you're glad to know, and it's called "Guess That Snack." And we're going to play a jingle now, um, and it's actually sung by a another professional, Cecile Utrup Ludwig. Now, uh, if you want to take it away, Niall, let's have the jingle. Guess that snack. Guess that snack. Oh yeah, guess that snack. <laughs> How is that for a jingle? That's pretty good, isn't it? That was impressive. That's a good jingle. Now, basically, the the rules for Guess That Snack, Chloe, are pretty straightforward. Um, I've got three snacks here. I'm going to tell you what they are, okay? And you will be familiar with them. Um, and then just by me crunching them in my mouth, you're going to have to guess which snack I've crunched, okay? Wait, what kind of snack? Like, Are they like food They're- or or treats they're or? food. I'm, I'm going to tell you what they are now. So I've got three kind of crunchy snacks. So we, we've got um, Cheeto Puffs. Okay? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're filling me with those. We've, we've got regular regular potato chips. Okay? Mm-hmm. Regular potato chips. And we've got mini salted pretzels. Okay? That come in a bag. Not the big, like, bready ones. The little ones you get in a bag. All right? Yep. Perfect. So mini salted pretzels. Um, Cheetos and and then obviously potato potato um, chips. We call them crisps in the UK, but you guys you call them uh, you, uh, you call them uh, chips. So without further ado, I'm going to place the first one into my mouth, and you've got to guess what it is. Is it a Cheeto? Is it a chip, or is it a pretzel? You ready? Yep. Okay, here we go. First one is going in now. Here we go. That's pretzel. Yo, straight in. One out of one. Hey, you're redeeming yourself, Clay. You're redeeming yourself. Good, good skills. Straight off the back. The multiple world champion. I've got to swallow this. I've got to, I've got to swallow this uh, snack now first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And I made the fatal mistake of not bringing any liquid to um, swim my mouth out. But anyway, next one. Fresh bag as well. No expense spared. Okay, there's two left, of course. Is this a potato chip or is this a um, one of the puffy ones, a, um, a Cheeto? Okay, here, here it goes. Is this a Cheeto or a potato chip? Puff. Yes, indeed. Well done. Two out of two. <laughs> Straight in. And obviously, we, we, we'll go through the motions anyway, but the last one is... Potato chip. A potato chip. Fantastic stuff. Great stuff. So, round of applause, please, for Chloe Dygar. That's 100% on Guess That Snack. Wonderful stuff. You've got the, the, the crowd enraptured. Uh, are you a big fan of snacks? Uh, I love food. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, I, I'm a big fan of food, and one of the only reasons I still ride my bike, Chloe, I mean, I'm, I am a, I'm in love with it, but I do ride my bike primarily to make room so I can have a big dinner and just eat yeah. snacks. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of snacks. But uh, Chloe, we're going to have to wrap things up. We've been an hour. It's, it's gone very, very quickly. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I do hope that we can see you on the road later this year. I, I take it, once we know about the, the World Road Championships, you'll be there riding both the road and time trial, all being well. I hope so, as long as everything goes well. Okay, well, fingers crossed that happens. But, uh, Clay, for now, uh, thanks so much indeed, and you take care and hopefully catch up with you on the road somewhere very, very soon. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Last time on the podcast, we had a rest day from the Grand Chores, with most riders just doing some gentle surface wiping to keep their joints moving. Lots of massage and good fueling for the stages ahead. Think biscuits, think Pringles. Today, we're straight back into the thick of it. It's time for the Grand Chores Stage 7, dusting the living room. So the weapon of choice, or my duster of choice, is, is new. My wife, Holly, bought it from the internet. It's a lovely thing. You can just hear, just brushing it against the microphone there. You shouldn't be able to hear too much because it's very, very, it's very fine. Um, it was quite an expensive one. I mean, no expense spared. It's got a lovely wooden shaft as a handle and even a little leather thong on the end to hang it on a hook. Um, and itself, 
Um, it can actually be. It's quite an object of, um, of, well, of desire, really. You could actually have it as an ornament if you so wished. It's that attractive. It's, the fluffy bit is white with little tints. Looks like it could have been maybe in a pop group like Kajigugo in the mid-1980s. Without further ado, let's get dusting. So I'm starting from the top and dusting outwards. Because if you brush inwards and outwards, what you do is drag the dust particles back to the center again. So drag outwards, we can do some hoovering later. So I'm moving the first item, I'm dusting left to right. You can just hear there, there's now some greetings cards just falling down the back. I'm just gonna lift that up again. I've lost valuable time. I can pick up the pace at the tea set again. I have three separate items of the tea set, just lifting the milk jug up, lifting the sugar bowl, putting it somewhere else, lifting up the teapot. You can just hear that. Now, whilst dusting, I'm holding the teapot with my left hand whilst dusting with the right, in and out, dragging back towards me. You can already see the added shine. Just putting the teapot back, dusting the top while keeping my finger on the lid, removing the jug to give that a light dusting. All the time thinking, photographic number, you need to plan ahead, you need to know how to put the ornaments back into the same position. Uh, some, um, some people use a photograph before, they're referred to at the back end of the dusting just to make sure everything's placed back in exactly the same place. I'm just lifting up the metallic uh, the metallic cow, putting it back. That was a nice quick one. Just going down the edge, several edges here, I'm doing all in one sweep. I've changed my tactics midway through because I've realised I've been chatting so much I've lost a little bit of time. Now, moving in to the Tintin rocket and the Tintin bust. A couple of sweeps in, back out, put the rocket back in there, Tintin's back in. I'm going to move past the rather complicated and ornate tea set. I'm going to lift up the other little Tintin here. Tintin as a detective and Snowy just dusting in the alcoves there. Again, there's a ceiling as well to this shelf. Very unusual, but dust, thank goodness, doesn't settle too much on the ceilings. Moving down again, get on the camera. A couple of little bits of the duster have actually started to fly off now. Perhaps the quality of this duster leaves a little bit to be desired. I'll have a word with Holly about that. Maybe get a refund. Who knows? But uh, for the time being, I've got to try and stay focused. Because uh, it's not just about the equipment, it's about the technique that you're using. And my right arm is just starting to wake. I'm going to swap to my left hand just briefly just to give my right arm a chance to recover. Just uh, removing the picture flame with the original artwork from uh, Adventure Time in there. Dusting to the left, dusting to the right, bringing it back. Just in that little dust cloud, trying not to sneeze here. Now, there's a mystery box moving that. Dusting the top of the mystery box, sweeping underneath it back to the centre. Now, the David Bowie pig. Brung the, oh, there's a little item I didn't realise was here. It's a guinea pig. A little cheeky guinea pig in the shake of a piggy bank. He's back in there. He's towards the back. He was hidden, in fact, by the rather large, round David Bowie pig, uh, circa Ziddy Stardust. On the bottom shelf now, Charles M. Schultz books. It's the, it's the complete selected peanuts. It's moving in and out on the last shelf here. And now I've got the games compendium. This is a very complex finale. Now the clock is ticking, I'm just bringing the games out, just dusting in between. I can see the finishing line inside, the duster's on the floor, putting the games back. Well, they're not going to be perfect, it's going to have to do because the finish line is rapidly approaching. Starting to panic, but I think I've made it. Across the line, the dusting is done. Classic. Now, just before the Grand Chores at Stage 7, I mentioned that the riders were fueling with biscuits and Pringles. And I've just had my producer on, and apparently I shouldn't have said that. So I'm very sorry. What they were actually fueling with was Cliff Bar Energy Bars with 40% off and Cliff Bar Blocks with 25% off, which they bought from Sigma Sports in the month of July. Was that okay? All right. Visit sigmasports.com forward slash podcast for details on our latest offers. Thanks again to Perry App Gwyneth for the musical jingles on the podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod, and why not recommend it to your cycling buddies or your local politician, if you see them. And finally, thanks to Chloe Digert for being so generous with her time. Yes, and I think I need to have a rematch and do the quiz over again, because I think I can do it better. <laughs> what? You, you want to do the quiz again? Of course. I need to get 100%, or else it doesn't count. Well, I haven't really got time. I've, I've got to go to bed. I'm up early. Um, oh, it's a bit awkward, really, Chloe. I'm sorry about that. Well, we'll have to do another one then. <laughs> <laughs>